This is the Lifestyle as Medicine podcast, and I am Mike Riccio, longtime personal trainer, professional strength coach, gym owner, and most importantly, a devoted modern father and husband. I've been fortunate to learn under some of the most intelligent minds in health and fitness over the past 15 years, as well as work with amazing clients and athletes. What I've most fallen in love with over the years is the power we have over our lives, the power to decrease risk of disease and injury, the power to reach our true potential, the deep abilities the body is capable of when all aspects of health are working simultaneously. On this podcast, you will learn the importance of preventative health and how to optimize your habits to optimize your life. Today, you will hear from Kent Yoshimura. Kent is a specialist in cognitive neuroscience. He received his degree from UC San Diego, and you might have seen him and his friend and business partner, Ryan Chen, on Shark Tank or on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list for their work with their company, Neurogum. Neurogum is a clean and efficient source of caffeine found in mint or gum form. I've been using the product myself for weeks now, and I can sincerely say that I am hooked. I love it. Outside of his work with helping people be healthier and more efficient, Kent is also an impressive artist and former martial artist competing with Japan's Olympic judo team. Today, Kent and I get into the brain and how it works. We'll dive into caffeine and all the different forms from coffee to energy drinks. We will nerd out on a number of different tangents as well. This is one of my favorite episodes to date as I have a fascination with this topic. Everything, the brain, the neuroscience and neuroplasticity and Kent really helps me clear up a lot of things and answers a lot of great questions and I know you're going to enjoy it. Listen in. All right, Kent, good evening and uh, thanks for being on, man. What is up? So stoked to be on. I know, an extra week in the making. I made us delay a week, so I appreciate the flexibility there. The anticipation makes it that much sweeter. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. It definitely gave me more prep time. I got to dig into uh, your impressive background, which is where I want to start. Do you want to give the listeners a little background on, on you, your company, and how you got yeah. there? Absolutely. Well, I guess I'll, I'll start from my young childhood. No, <laughs> I come from like an athletic background just in general. So I've been training in martial arts since I was five years old. That was my form of daycare while my parents worked. And I've been always into that mind and body connection because of it. And, you know, going into high school and college, I decided to take it much more seriously and semi-professionally training in competitions. And given my fascination for the mind, primarily from watching Bruce Lee movies and Kung Fu movies of the past, where they do talk a lot about that way. I decided to study cognitive science with a specialization in neuroscience. And while I was fighting, I realized that getting hit in the head is not really <laughs> the best way to approach any schoolwork. So trying to find the balance between my martial arts career and my schoolwork and everything else, my extracurriculars and my studying, I started experimenting with nootropics and started using my body, which was pretty in tune at that time, as kind of a baseline for how I feel with any of the supplements I take. So mixing these supplements that I would put together through my own research, reading clinical studies, going through a lot of these nootropics forums, this is about 12, 13 years ago, before nootropics were much more mainstream. We started developing V0 of Neurogum, you know, that, that, in pill form. And when Ryan and I met, and Ryan also, it's, he's used to be a captain of his cross-country and track team, incredible runner. When he was 19, unfortunately, he got injured in a snowboarding accident, which left him paralyzed from the waist down. And, you know, he saw me train. I, I used to train with Olympians at, for judo. I used to travel to Thailand every year to fight in Muay Thai competitively. And he saw how I was balancing things. And so I began sharing my supplements with him. And during a scuba diving trip, we both looked at each other and thought, well, pills aren't necessarily the best look when you're popping them in public, no matter what kind of benefits they have. How do we make supplements more approachable? And that's how we came up with NeuroGum and NeuroMints. And here we are now. Very cool. Yeah. And that's, I follow him too. And that story is, well, it's, it's sad, but if you, you look at him, I mean, he's so impressive. I see the stuff that he does. Oh, that's a badass. It's awesome. Yeah. The activities he's doing. I saw the video of um, him walking the whole contraption. Yeah. That was so cool to see. I don't, I'm not sure when that was, but the video was we, awesome. We actually went to Israel for a Forbes event, which, well, Lindsay, yeah. How yeah. have a connection with Lindsay. A Forbes, a Forbes event in Israel. And uh, we went up to Haifa and 
he was able to test out this technology that it basically replaces those muscles and joints with motor control through basically this motorized exoskeleton. So he was using that and the machine itself activates whenever you have a slight forward lean, which is apparently how most of us walk. We mm-hmm. walk with walking is a way of catching yourself in the action okay. of falling. So using that concept, he still doesn't have feeling in his legs, but he was able to walk upright, which is really, really cool. That's interesting because that's exactly how on the exercise phys side, that's exactly how we describe walking. It's the act of catching yourself over and over and over again. Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> yeah. So people that get the asymmetries that come from inactivity actually make the imbalance so that we stop being able to use the muscles that would catch us. Mm-hmm. So that's why we form these really awkward imbalances to walking and people start turning their feet out and have to use different motion patterns to start walking, which is a whole different crazy. Sub- yeah, whole different subject for today, but and we're sitting all the time. It's all, terrible. All the, all the time. Yeah, it's yeah. You know what? We have a lot of rabbit holes we can go down today. I'm gonna try yeah, yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if you get me going on that one, I'll uh, I'll go forever. But um, yeah. So that makes that technology just any more, even more impressive and fascinating to learn about. So yeah, we have a couple. We have a well, a mutual friend of a mutual friend. I have a former client who is now a higher up with Forbes, and that's how I got connected with with Lindsay, and. Speaking of Forbes, you, so you guys were one of their 30 under 30, is that correct? Yeah, so I was 30 already, so I missed the mark, but I was 29. <laughs> uh, but I have an okay. honorary mention as a the 30-year-old <laughs> co-founder. But yeah, Forbes 30 under 30, it was, it's a cool accolade, you know, I, I guess a lot. Uh, you know, I, I, for me, it's all these things like peaking early doesn't really mean anything or peaking late doesn't mean anything. It's a part of life. Um, it's cool that we got this this recognition, but... At the end of the day, it doesn't change anything in the business. No, no. I think what it does is it speaks to your work ethic because they have a work ethic like that as a young age because there's so many distractions from college mm-hmm. to right after college. It's so easy to not be a focused person at right. that age. So I think that's that's the impressive side of what, what you guys and other people on that of those lists have done. In my mind, that's what I've always find so admirable about those things. Yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. We, uh, despite what I just said, it is, uh, <laughs> it is pretty remarkable. And through it, we got to meet some amazing, amazing people. So yeah, we're grateful for that. And uh, I'm, I'm going to bounce around a little bit before I get back into the science side. But um, as a fan, I have to ask you about Shark Tank as well. Because, oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I remembered when Lindsay recommended you to me, I remembered the episode exactly. I, I remember sitting there watching that episode live and, and being fascinated at that time because, I, you know, we've talked before about how much I love this subject. Mm-hmm. neurosciences and neuroplasticity and um, you know, the book that, that both of I are reading now. So what, and just curious, what was that experience like to be on Shark Tank? And Yeah, that was nerve wracking. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because at the end of the day, after the initial pitch, it just felt like being in any other investor meeting, except you're talking to five investors who are full of ego. And they talk over each other. And it's, but, but you don't sense any of the cameras. It really just feels uh-huh. like you're in the room with just them. But prior to that, the setup, the legal documents, everything is pretty intensive, obviously because it's a TV show. And they liked our pitch and our story so much that they actually pushed us to the very front of the line. So we were the first group to get filmed for the first season, and we were the first two people to get filmed in the new season. So the Sharks hadn't seen each other in like a year or something. And so they told us it was going to be like, oh, it's only going to be like five minutes before you guys go on. It ended up being like 45 minutes where we're anxiously waiting right outside the doors that flap open as you walk through. Yep. And by that point, it was, you know, I think at the end of the day, knowing that if you do make a mistake, that's a piece of drama and dramatic content that the editor is definitely going to put in. And that's going to be showcased to millions of people around the U.S. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's the nerve wracking part. Not necessarily us pitching our product. Yes. Yeah, so that pitch has to be tight because. Oh man, we <laughs> practice so much. It's crazy. Well, you guys nailed it. And actually Thanks. I was disappointed. I couldn't find the full episode or the full pitch. Oh really? Yeah. Damn. YouTube, ABC, they, everyone showed the last two minutes hmm. of the final, the, the decision, which was cool oh, to yeah. see. But um, I was trying to rewatch the whole thing before we started today, and uh, I for some reason couldn't find it. So I'm, Dang, I'll, it might be I'll, on Hulu. Maybe on Hulu. I'll dig a little yeah. deeper. But um, and I'll try. You know, and if I find it, I'll get a link and I'll put it on so people can watch it because it's uh, it's a cool, cool pitch. Cool. You, yeah, you guys do a good job. Thanks. All right, so back to the sciences. So before we go too deep in, so your degree, can oh. you help people understand what is it 
that you studied? What what goes into your degree and, and the sciences that are involved? So I studied more biological mechanisms within the brain with the neuroscience specialization, but with cognitive science, it's anything that happens within the realm of cognition, which is what was fascinating to me. And the school I went to, UC San Diego, is one of the top universities for that, apparently. And like, so, for example, they talked about V.S. Ramachandran in the book, who's one of the like, leading neuroscientists. And he actually invented the mirror box for people with phantom pain so that realizing that the brain will make a connection if they're able to visually see the limb that the person is missing. And he's one of the professors at our school, <laughs> which is really, really cool. Wow. And he was one of my teachers. But cognitive science in general the two fields I delved into was one, algorithmic systems and neural networks. So things like machine learning that are extremely popular now, how different inputs can be processed and relearned and reworked to create a set of optimized outputs. So that's one. Two, the biological systems of the neuroscience side is how do, let's say the different parts of the brain, neurotransmitters, neuromodulation, how do those things, neuroplasticity, like the book we're reading, how do those things affect human beings? So looking at different case studies, studying the system, studying how reuptake, different drugs affect the brain, how uh, different neurotransmitters uh, may be affected by different supplements, how you know, damage to one part of the brain may lead to certain changes in psychology and behavior. Those are the things that I delved into more in the second half of my college career. And so correct me if I'm, my, my education is limited here, but if my understanding of kind of newer neuroplasticity is that in the past, people believed that once an area of the brain was damaged, a stroke, an acute injury, that that was it. Whatever the functions of that part of the brain held were just not going to be attainable anymore. And that in time, they've seen that other parts of the brain will in fact start taking over, right? Like n new neural pathways will take over. Is that true? And can you explain that in a better way than I just did? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, well, it definitely depends on the level of damage that gets taken. So there's a lot of cases where the corpus callosum, which is the main thing that connects the two hemispheres of the brain, when people used to have seizures back in the day, they would just cut that and they realized that seizures were gone. But what would happen is you get these split brain patients where, and, and aphasia patients, an example of an aphasia is a doctor would tell a patient to draw a clock from one to 12 and they realize that the patient writes one through 12, all only on one side, believing that they drew a full circle. So there are still deficiencies that will exist, but the human brain is not as limited and it's more plastic and flexible than we previously thought it was. So that's where it gets interesting. You know, I, I, th I think, again, uh, it depends on where the damage takes place. There's different types of, uh, you know, neurotransmitter reuptake that happens that you could basically focus on to promote more neurotransmitter activity where there are deficiencies. So for example, like dopamine reuptake and which has like within like the substantia nigra, that gets really interesting with Parkinson's patients because transcranial magnetic stimulation, which is really popular now, they could target specific parts of the brain, create magnetic stimulation and turn on and off the Parkinson's in some people. Before they thought that was impossible, you know, <laughs> like yeah. you could reactivate parts of the brain, which is so, so cool. And I don't know, the technology only gets better. One of my favorite cases, so there's visual centers in the brain and there are very specific time periods where the brain's neuroplasticity is optimal versus later on in life where they say around like 21 to 25 is when the frontal cortex starts breaking down. And that's where the association center lies. That's why older people typically tend to speak their minds more so than younger people, which is take for what it is. <laughs> yeah. But what they're seeing is they had a study with cats where they would put these kittens during the highest point of neuroplasticity in a room with only horizontal lines or only vertical lines. And they realized that the V1, V2 system, the systems that are able to see divisions and lines and recognize symbols and patterns within the visual world, those never got developed. So these cats that grew up in a world with only visual vertical lines would keep crashing into horizontal tables. While like, the cats that only saw vertical lines kept crashing into vertical tables because they weren't able to discern that. Like they weren't able to discern vertical lines or horizontal lines. 
which is crazy to think about. And I'm sure you could train it, but yeah. Wow, that's that's fascinating. I'm trying it just to never developed. Yeah, and my brain is still putting this together now as you talk about this. That's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, wow. there, there's another study where like Indian taxi drivers in India, where like the roads are basically way more complicated than grid systems from the United States, have a larger hippocampus, which is spatial recognition, than U.S. taxi drivers. So, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. Like that, that philosophy works for the brain and, uh, and the muscles as well, right? Like what we're talking about with sitting. Like it's... Yeah. And I know when you look at like things like learning opportunities, you know, things of learning new languages come during certain windows of time, right? Like after the age of, I don't know, is it, is it 13 or nine? No, it's earlier than that. Is it nine? I yeah. Like seven to nine is like kind of an optimal phase. Yes. There we go. Yeah. So after that, it becomes significantly different. And the reasons why that becomes are fascinating in the, of themselves too. So the way the brain works in general is just obviously this really complex, but really fascinating it's thing. Insane. So I'm jealous of your degree because I feel like I could sit there in those classes just as a fan. Oh my God. Yeah. And that, that's why I loved it so much. It was just like, that's crazy. Like you just yeah. realize how complex it is, but also these case studies are just fascinating and realizing yes. like, and it's not psychology, although we did take psychology classes, but it goes so much beyond that when you do dive into the biological systems and then you do realize like, if you combine the psychoanalysis with understanding the, the mechanisms that act within the organic system, so much may be able to be solved to a certain extent, but then there's all these external factors that are involved. It just gets crazy. It's so cool. Well, and I love it. And I and there is a there's a big link, right, between what you and I do and have studied in the way that, you know, when I'm teaching someone how to move, when you look at someone who hasn't moved in 40 years, and I'm not yeah. saying hasn't walked hasn't gone to work, hasn't walked to the car. That's not that type of movement. When they've spent the majority of their time sedentary, they forget how to move and to create more neural pathways and to, to help the brain remember how to do everything it knew instinctually from birth through 20, you know, is, is always been a fascinating thing for me to watch that restart again. And then yeah. the opposite, to watch the elite level people that like you who were in, in martial arts and played sports early and what the body's capable of when it optimizes those systems early on in life. Yeah, it is much more developed and primed for accepting new movement. That, yeah. That's definitely, definitely a thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and so I've, I've always loved that side of what I do because I've worked with both. I work everything from professional athletes down to rehabilitation, you know, and so yeah. I get to see both sides of the spectrum. So for me, getting some level of understanding of what you have learned has really helped me in my career because. I get to understand what the learning process is like and how to be patient with it and how long certain situations might take an injury. You know, someone that's had a right knee injury and then someone that's had two right knee injuries. And the complete mess of that can be because how the system is compensated in both directions over and over and over again. And now all the rules you thought applied kind of don't anymore. And now it's a whole different system. Yeah, it's crazy. So my sister's actually a physical therapist. And um, one of the things that she's been talking about is central nervous system shock. So being able to like wake up your central nervous system to prime it for competition, right before competition. And that becomes more important than like stretching or loosening up your body. Or those are parts of waking your body up. If you yeah. prime your brain into that like fight or flight mode <laughs> yeah. before competition it will naturally start making your body ready to perform at its best. I love that. So, and let's use that as our, as our segue here. So let's talk about energy. Let's talk about the nervous system a little bit. So whether it be movements and athletics or, you know, getting your brain ready for a big, a, a pitch, a big meeting the next day, you know, can we dive a little deeper into how energy works? So we're going to get into caffeine a little bit, right? And stimulants. Sure. But w without those things, what is energy in the system? How would you define that? That's interesting. Energy within the system is how the body processes, you know, whether it's fat or carbohydrate, like fast acting energy resources, whatever it is. But there's also this, a system where how, how much like vasodilators, for example, how much oxygen is flowing through your body to get it oxygenated and ready for survival. You know, but at the, at the same time, if you are like an endurance athlete or daily life, you still need those reserves, whatever that fuel source is, whether it be carbs or fats or, or sugar or whatever. So I would categorize energy in the sense as whatever fuel the body needs to function properly. Okay. 
So where does caffeine come in? Where do like products like yours, coffee, energy drinks, like we're, we're gonna we're gonna separate these one by one in a minute. Sure. But but for now, like where do these come in, um, and where do they fit into the energy system? I mean, so we'll start with coffee because the most basic, and caffeine, which natural caffeine is one of the main components within our product. Although we have other ingredients as well. Let me start with adenosine, is a neuromodulator within the central nervous system, and caffeine itself is an antagonist of adenosine. So it basically blocks a receptor that makes you feel tired. And if you know how neurotransmitters works, it's a key and lock system, depending on where it is, where you know it fits into the axon and shoots electrical signals out to basically fire up any area of the brain. So what caffeine does is it blocks the tiredness more so than waking you up. What energy drinks add onto that is things like Things like taurine, things like beta alanine is a really popular one. Niacin, these are all vasodilators. So when you say get like the niacin flush, you feel like that tingliness throughout your body. It's because your blood vessels are opening up and pumping more oxygen and blood versus like a vasoconstrictor, which is closing up your veins. So that helps get that caffeine and the oxygen through. And that's how you get that initial rush with our product. We try to take the concept of blocking the tiredness of caffeine, also using L-theanine, which is the main amino acid compound in green tea, which there's hundreds of clinical trials that have shown that caffeine and L-theanine together provide a much more focused and anxiety-reducing boost, so like, much like drinking green tea or matcha. And then we put in B6 and B12, which is really good for nerve impulse, stimulation, which like five-hour energy has, You could, I think it has like, 1800% of B6 and like 8,000% B12, which is way, way too much, but you end up urinating it out anyways. So we take that concept, but we also add in the concept of buccal absorption. So instead of having a delivery mechanism where the body, the stomach acid, the liver, everything breaks it down, you could chew our product throughout the day and you get that boost when you need it without burning any of your systems out. So to expand on that a little bit further, a lot of people take one-a-day multivitamins only to realize that that one-a-day multivitamin is kind of like overdosing your body so that you process most of it, you get rid of a bunch of it, and most of the day you're not even getting the full supplement fact label worth of ingredients, which is why microdosing has become so popular. We're trying to take that concept of like, okay, here's enough to keep you going in that moment. Take more if you need to. But... This is something that you could take throughout the day so that your body doesn't have to flush as much things out. It works more effectively because it's, it's buccally absorbed through and sublingually absorbed through your cheeks and through your mouth. And you can take it with you wherever you go. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, well, I know it because like I said, I've got, I've got my pack sitting right here next to me. And uh, the sublingual absorption is a, is a question I had. But before I go, I want to I close the book on the, on the energy drink thing. Sure. Now- Full disclosure, I've worked in the gym industry for a long time, like a, a long, long time now. And at one point I worked for a gym where we were, it was just very sales heavy and we were, we were working, you know, it was morning to night every day. I guess that was most of my jobs, but this one specifically, <laughs> we, uh, you know, we were grabbing energy drinks out of the freezers every, every hour, you know, it was ridiculous. Oh my we gosh. Were, yeah. I mean, maybe every hour, but we were probably having a couple a day. You know, on yeah. average, which is a lot when you talk about 250, 300 grams of caffeine, plus all the other ingredients that you just said are in there. Let's go long and short term, but let's go long term first. What are the long term effects of consuming like the high powered energy drinks that are out there today? I mean, caffeine enhances the amount of dopamine that's going through your brain also. Like, do you know how action potentials by chance work? So basically for the, uh, the listeners, there's a threshold with any drug use or any, anything that you put into your body, where you open up the floodgates for neurotransmitters, and then it drops down, it drops down, then it spikes, and then it goes to remodulate itself within this kind of weird looking chart. But do that enough times, and you realize that you start getting these, the withdrawal becomes much higher, and the peak becomes much, much lower. And you need more of that. <laughs> and as you see it a lot in drug use, you need more and more and more of whatever it is you're taking for it to work because those receptors, again, are either blocking those from even coming in or they're already primed 
to expect what is coming. And when you drink an energy drink that has 300 plus milligrams of caffeine or whatever it is Mm -hmm. with all those other ingredients, you're just causing your brain to get used to that thing. And you're probably just so tired when you're not taking energy drinks because your body's trying to modulate itself, reach a baseline again, and it doesn't know what to do without when you make that the norm. The status quo becomes take energy drinks for energy, and that's the environmental factor that your brain thinks it could get used to, then everything else becomes affected. Everything within your body gets affected. I, it's, well, so, and that's, so that's very, and that's not that it wouldn't be, but it's very consistent with things that I've read about where you become numb almost to the product, but meanwhile, the negative effect gets magnified. So, yeah, you know, well, the so withdrawal you, components. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then there's, how about the effect on the, maybe this isn't a question for you, but how about the effect on the heart? Because I know there's, you know, the cardiology side of it has always been very, I know there's a lot of studies, it's all still very new because energy drinks are newer, <laughs> I guess. But um, there, there's a negative effect on the heart and the impulse system to the heart and those electrical systems long term, too, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, the, it, that goes back to the vasodilation. So the heart is the thing that pumps blood throughout your entire body through the veins. And when you start constricting, the vessels and the veins, the vasoconstriction and the vasodilation, your heart is working that much harder. So if you think about that, your heart is a muscle working that much, tiring it out, not knowing what to do. It's going to affect it no matter what. Uh, Yeah. And I, there's a buffering system, right? The body likes homeostasis. The body likes to be at some level of normal. So whether it's caffeine or negative foods or high inflammatory foods or medications, even if they're necessary medications, the body has to go through a buffering process to get back to normal. And that buffering process can be amplified to the point of negative, right? To where it has to almost be on overdrive all the time. Right. Or you train up to it, you know, and it, it, like exercise is that much better, <laughs> for example, right? To yeah. get your heart pumping blood through your body, because that's something that is, it's like step oriented. You get to that point where you're okay to feel like you're in shape. And when you get out of shape, it's also a step, step down. It's not just like an instant spike. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that. Cause you're right. There's a positive side to that too, where we learn to buffer out faster. Right, right, right. You know, but it, a lot of, at least what, what a lot of my clients go through is they get into this point where they are, their system is fighting itself because the exercise is making them better in a lot of ways, but they still haven't cleaned up the toxin side of things. They're still yeah. eating a very high acidic diet, a very high inflammatory diet, overdosing on caffeine, not sleeping enough. So all the benefits of exercise are not being wiped out, but being stalemated a little bit by the fact that they are constantly in this buffering system. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Everything else has to change. At the end of the day, you can take all these supplements and whatever. There's no magic pill to anything. You know, there's supportive things, which like, for example, neuro gum and neuro mints support that lifestyle that you do want to live, but it's up to you to get that exercise in, to get that sleep in, to get the proper diet in nothing is at least what exists now nothing is going to beat that <laughs> yeah but that takes I, work it does take work and you know and yeah. like i told you before i um, before we started today i wanted to make sure i had a really clear facts on on your product before we recorded yeah so what i did was i i went through 5 days where i took i did no other caffeine which is big for me that's not <laughs> that uh-huh. you know, for me it is a big change so it would be a, a substantial study and I just, I did three a day of the neuro mints. Nice. I ate clean, you know, so I made sure I, I cleaned up the system around it so there wasn't any other intangibles. Without a doubt, I, I felt great. That's and, awesome. Know, two to three days in, you know, 48 hours, 72 hours in, I felt great. So when you talk about the, the, you know, the crash that people feel in caffeine, which is of course higher in energy drinks just because you're coming from a larger high, you know, that vasodilation becomes vasoconstriction, right? And you almost go right. more into vasoconstriction than you started before you took the caffeine in, which is why you feel so crappy. Right, right. I clearly didn't feel that with your product. So it's still caffeine. So why do I have less of a crash with your product than I do with either too much liquid coffee or energy drinks? Well, so a lot of the studies that do come out is like with L-theanine being combined with caffeine is that L-theanine curbs a lot of the negative side effects of caffeine because it regulates a lot of those, you know, whatever processes are happening within the brain. Because L-theanine is in many ways is what reduces the anxiety components of caffeine's 
side effects, but, but jitters and everything else. On top of that, you're only taking 40 milligrams of caffeine, but it's just working a lot more effectively. So your body has to work less to process that caffeine since you're absorbing it through your mouth and under your tongue. Yeah, well, and that was, so that was, I wanted to go back to that. The sublingual, so under your tongue, saturation of the product. What's the big difference between that and taking it in through your, your gastrointestinal? So through your, through your stomach, through your intestines. So your mouth has a tremendous amount of like blood vessels and receptors that basically absorbs a lot of the nutrients first. And that's why like mastication just in general, chewing just in general is extremely effective. Uh, it's good. Versus when you take it through the GI system, you have the stomach acid, you have the large intestine, the small intestine, the bile from your liver, the, your kidneys. All these things are basically gateways that are extracting nutrients every single step of the way. And that's also extra work you're putting your body through to process whatever nutrients are entering into your body. So while you do go through that process, it just works a lot more effectively when it dissolves in your mouth and you can get those nutrients faster. There's a lot of studies on like different methods of absorption and bioavailability of nutrients, depending on how you take it. And buccal and sublingual are typically on the faster side. Of course, like intravenous effect injection, direct injection into the brain. Those things are much, much faster, but those are things that you're not going to be doing just to, just for a quick boost of energy. Sure. Yeah. Well, I know it's similar for even vitamin D, right? And I know you're recommended mm -hmm. the vitamin D droplets have a, right. a more potent effect than the pill. You need less of it, which is the best thing. Yeah. And you know, probably, uh, I'm sure you've gone to like an all-you-can-eat place, you know? <laughs> a couple times. Like, yeah, yeah, a couple times, you know, you worked out really hard, you feel like you deserve it. Your body's working its ass off trying to burn that, and that's why you're crashing, you know? Like, there's new studies that are coming out where, like, tryptophan doesn't make you tired at all. It's really just the fact that Thanksgiving, you're just eating way too much. <laughs> it's it's is, just a lot of food. It's just a lot of food. Your body's, like, working its ass off, like, to basically digest all that food, process the nutrients, your liver, your kidney, your stomach, that all those resources that usually go elsewhere are getting depleted by the food getting processed. So, you know, the body's interesting, as is the brain. And for the record, our football team used to go to an all-you-can-eat all buffet once a week during season. And after a few oh weeks, after a few weeks, they told us we couldn't come anymore. So I've, yeah, I've, <laughs> it was, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> you took full advantage of it. We, yeah, it was, yeah. We had 25 big football players. They didn't, they oh didn't want us there anymore. So there's, and I assume there's gotta be something too with, you know, most of your serotonin receptors are found in your GI tract, right? And yeah, there's new studies coming out about that. It was cool. Which, yeah, which I think is very, it's fascinating. And then your, your, your gut biome. Like, so yep. obviously anything that goes to your stomach is going to have an effect on your gut biome of some kind. Yeah. So I got to imagine that something that is efficiently taken in sublingually would have a, a benefit just by not having to have a, an effect on your gut biome in general. Would that be true? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to claim anything because I'm not a hundred percent sure about that, but I would assume it has less of an effect. Like I could only assume that it has less of an effect because it's not directly interacting with the stomach in that regard. Yeah, that'd be, uh, I, mean, I have someone that I'm talking to him, hopefully I'm gonna get him on the podcast, but he's an expert in that side of things, gut biomes and gut biomechanisms. I think that and stuff's so fascinating and like, yeah, it's crazy. There's so much stuff coming out about it too. Yeah, I, I've got a, I got a couple of good books there um, that I've read that if I can pass those along to you, but, um, but when they, if, if they come on, that might be a really good question for them too, yeah, to, to link the be two, cool. because I would, I, we can't say it, but I gotta assume there's, there's right, something, yeah. right? I mean, anything that goes through that system has to affect, like that's, those cells react to anything that passes by them. I mean, think the about like, exactly, like, and the cells. One would assume like, I know some people that drink coffee, which is fairly acidic for the most part, have a lot of stomach troubles, you know? And also caffeine is generally a diuretic or, it's or coffee in general is considered a diuretic. So all those things, the high acidity environment, that's getting introduced to the body, changing the pH levels. Yeah. All those must be changing that homeostasis that we're talking about to some degree. Yeah, that would make sense. I'm going to want to get to that. I'm going to definitely ask that question because I would love to link these two things together. 
Oh yeah. Please let me know what, what comes out of it. Yeah. I'm so I've, curious. I for sure will. Yeah. You're right though. That's a, it's, it's an interesting topic too. That brain to gut connection, right? It's so yeah. connected. And those so serotonin receptors being a big link is, is really cool to read about. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, oh, so the, the L-theanine. So people drink coffee. You're saying the L-theanine could counteract some of the negative effect, the jitters. I've read that some like dairy, not maybe it doesn't have to be dairy, but mixed in dairy products with caffeine, with coffee, almond milks, butter, have the same effect. Is there a connection at all there? Is there is there a reason why those have a similar effect too? Or is there my or maybe I was miss that also could not be true at all. Almond <laughs> but, milk and caffeine, you're saying? Or dairy, anything. Something with like the fat. Something with a fat content in in coffee could cut some of those jitter effects down too. Is there any truth to that? So I do know with bulletproof coffee and what became yeah. extremely popular was like unsalted butter combined with coffee in general allows for uh the body to process fat rather than directly the liquid which is a different mechanism of how the body is absorbing that caffeine content and which is why <laughs> why uh, bulletproof coffee became popular in the first place i don't know if it has similarities to l-theanine per se because that seems to be a different absorption mechanism like the way the the body absorbs fat which is much of a, a slow burning fuel compared to let's say like a carbohydrate or like a direct liquid would be just just different in general and i know one of the things that bulletproof coffee was touting was that sustained energy that you could yeah. get the more effective energy from the caffeine by putting something like whatever a little bit of butter in your coffee so but at the same time, you're compensating for increasing fat content into your body at a very early time of the day. And I'm sure there's certain factors that, you know, priming your body to take in fat that early in the day might have other effects. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. Yeah. And again, that may be something that is far from true, but just, you know, yeah. that's the thing about a lot of things that, that I study. There's, there's so much opinion to nutrition and exercise still. You know, we're, we're oh my so, God, yeah. You know, we're, we're debunking a lot as we go, but there's so much opinion and you got to be careful. You got to be careful what you read and what's your research because, you know, yeah, you, you, you know what to filter out and you know what to, what's true and what's not true. Yeah. I mean, one of the things early on that we wanted to focus on is, you know, supplement label claims. So a lot of the supplement label claims that are being done, I forgot what that documentary was called. It's like stronger, faster. Stronger. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and I, and I'm blanking too, but it's awesome. First it's an all. awesome yeah. document, but it talks yeah. about how messed up the supplement yeah. industry is because you could just make any supplement, just start putting things on there. And all you have to do is write like a little disclaimer and you're good to go. For us, coming from science backgrounds, we want to make sure we use ingredients that have clinical research behind them, first and foremost, strip down everything else. So give your body only the things that it needs, especially also because like there's only so much you can fit in a gum and a mint that... We want to just give you those ingredients that we have data behind, <laughs> not, yeah. not, you know, versus you see some of these supplements. I mean, the one that comes to the top of my head is C4 for some reason or uh, any of these pre-workouts, but yeah. you're killing your body. You're overdosing it with nutrients that it doesn't need. And it's funny because people are saying like effective usage of multivitamins are healthy, but most of the time, if you have a good diet, you get all those vitamins in your food anyways. So there's no point in really taking a multivitamin unless you are, again, microdosing it and yes. supplementing it in your body. Well, in the word supplement itself, supplement should be a supplement. It should be something that helps your main yes. diet be more efficient, right? If you're getting the right doses in and you're just, you need to top it off a little bit, these supplements come in really handy. But if you're depending on them, for all of your your vitamin B, your vitamin C, all these things, then you're gonna be you're gonna be in trouble because. And then one of the books I'll I'll send you the title of you know he talks about that in there where it's you cannot capsulate nutrients, not to the point you just can't. There's there's no way for your body to utilize the full power of a nutrient it needs to outside of solid foods. There is a connection with with chewing and the solidity of those foods that really can't be captured fully. When you, when you extract that nutrient out by itself, it misses the connection of the compounds to really interact with your biological system. I have heard that. I mean, it's also like, uh, there's a lot of these studies coming out about breastfeeding 
even, you know, you could have this fake milk that's filled with all the nutrients, but yeah. the hormone systems, the state dependent systems, the there's so many other factors that come into play. The human body recognizes a broccoli, sees it as a broccoli. And again, going back yes. to the priming, it sees it as something that it needs to take nutrients from versus just popping a pill. But these yes. are just factors that, those are the external factors I guess I was talking about earlier. You can't just add in something and expect it to work. It's yes. so comprehensive. It's so complicated and it's so nuanced. And that's what makes the brain so cool. That was so well said because that was exactly how he said it. I think broccoli might have been his example too. Oh, right. it's, it's, I think it was. I was like, what is the most nutrient dense vegetable? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, but he said the same way. They, you, the body recognizes your GI tract, your, the bacteria, your gut biomes. They recognize certain things and they relate to them. And if they don't see it as a foreign invader, they don't put the body on high alert. They don't start releasing things to start killing it. They don't start buffering out the system. And one of the ways he put it, which I, which I love because I've never thought of it this way, was every time we eat something negative and the body has to buffer it out, in order to buffer it out, it has to take things like magnesium, like potassium, has to use those as, as buffering components. And the only way to get them, if we haven't got them from the diet, is to pull them out of their muscular system. So for people that are trying to get bigger, stronger, faster, more healthy, decrease risk what of the disease and injury, bigger, stronger, fast, it is. I know. I, <laughs> I thought that after, but just in case I was wrong, I didn't want to say it. <laughs> but if you're, but if you're trying to get there, and meanwhile you're constantly stealing nutrients from that system, you're never going to. So people that believe that you can eat in a certain way, but as long as you exercise, it's okay. That's that's exactly why it doesn't work because yeah. you're you're stealing from that system, which means it never has the tools it needs in the first place. A hundred percent. There's also new studies coming out on like genetic mechanisms. So a lot of Asians have starch tolerance. So starch to us isn't as bad as, let's say, eating ah. something else. So uh, that's why we could eat rice all, like, for myself. Like <laughs> I grew up eating rice like every single morning and I'm still super skinny. So <laughs> I, I was never one to get larger, but it, it also took me a lot of time to gain muscle. And that totally makes sense. If your ancestors grew up only eating meat and you switched to a vegetarian diet, all of a sudden after whatever hundreds of thousands of years of your genetics being used to eating meat, something's going to crack. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. There's all these fads and trends and touted things, but each of us are special in our own way. And we have to accept that. Yeah. I, yes. And again, very, very well said to bring this full circle and back to your product and what you've created, would you say your product is more effective if it goes along with clean eating and good sleep, right? So if your body, I, how you describe caffeine, I loved because it's, it's more about making you feel less tired than about giving energy. People think caffeine gives you energy, but it's mm -hmm. the opposite, right? It just hides the sensation yeah, of, of, of tiredness, of being lethargic, lethargic, right? Yeah. So if you're sleeping well and you're eating well, and then I have, you know, one of my mints here, I'm going to get a much better effect from your product than if it's battling me being overly tired. Would you say that's true? One, oh, 100%. I mean, it's eliminating so many of the other factors. Also, one thing is most people wake up, they roll out of bed and they chug a coffee right away. Yeah. Your body is still waking up. That is the worst time to take a coffee. <laughs> you know, you let yes. your body wake up, everything warms up and then 30 minutes to an hour out, that's when you drink your coffee so that when the tiredness sets in, the, the adenosine receptors are blocked and you could keep going. And if you do take it right away, people are inevitably going to crash because you're setting your body up for failure. Like that's, that's basically it. <laughs> that, and so, and would you say, cause there's a connection with the people also don't, they need water. They've gone eight to 10 oh, yeah. hours without water. And the first thing they have is, is an acidic coffee. A diuretic. Yeah. Right, <laughs> right, a diuretic, acidic coffee, and they haven't hydrated themselves yet. So, so you're saying besides the fact that it's a hormonal, not a, not a good hormonal time to take in the caffeine. Yeah, cortisol. Yeah. The cortisol is like waking you up. It's getting you ready. You're like priming you for the day. And then all of a sudden you're cutting that off with a, like you said, this acidic diuretic that's just going to take your body out of this homeostasis that's maintained for the last seven, eight hours. I'm doing a webinar for a local doctor by the gym. He's, he's doing it for his whole, his whole email list. So, um, I'm taking stress. So stress is what I'm going to talk about tomorrow. And that was one of them was the idea of taking caffeine in, doesn't have to be coffee, right? Taking caffeine in within 30 minutes, waking up 
without having water first is going to actually stimulate your cortisol system. It's going to keep it high. So you're actually going to run into more anxiety to start your day. (laughs) Right. And you're going to, you're going to feel stressed out from the beginning. And on top of that, people wake up last minute. So they're in a rush and they're not drinking water and they're, they're, they're giving themselves this jittery anxiety provoking supplement. The combination of all that is you're in a whirlwind that you're, the odds of you digging out of that the rest of your day are slim to none. Yeah. Perfect storm. Perfect that storm. you're starting your day with. <laughs> yeah. And every day. Yeah. And every, every day. single day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such yes. a bad habit. It's such a bad habit. It is. But, but I love this though, because people, I never want to downplay the healthy parts that people do have, but yeah, you, you go to the gym after having a day like this and it's not that it's not good for you. It's that the results you think you're getting unfortunately aren't coming because that bout of exercise really had to go towards maybe getting you back to normal mm-hmm. instead of taking you up the ladder to the next step, instead of making you stronger, instead of, you know, making you more resilient to stress, it just got circulation going and buffered you out a little bit. My cousin's a physical therapist, just like your sister. And we talked about this the other day. If his patients don't work on anything that he gives them between sessions and every time they go to the session, he has to reset them. They only go back to zero over and over and over again. They never get to step one, two, three, four, because they only go from zero to negative one to zero to negative one over and right. over and over. And they never make their steps forward. It's like flossing. <laughs> <laughs> you, you floss the only when you go to the dentist, your teeth aren't going to get better. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. When, now you're hitting home for me because I've, I've always been a bad flosser. So. I know, man. I know. Me too. <laughs> it's from personal experience that I'm saying it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it did. It hit home because I, uh, yeah. I've always been bad about that. So I got to be better. <laughs> It's funny. It's crazy. Yeah. This is awesome, man. So where's the company going? Is there what, you know, what, depending on what you can talk about, what's next, what are you doing personally next either? What's, what's coming up? Yeah. I mean, there's some really exciting things within the company where actually in two weeks, we're releasing a product called Common Clarity, which is GABA, L-theanine and vitamin D3. So we know how effective vitamin D3 is in regulating mood. We know how effective L-theanine and GABA are and effectively reducing anxiety and stress. So this is a product that allows you without caffeine to reduce that anxiety and reach a state of calm and clarity and something that you could take throughout the day. And again, it's not like a sleepy time product. It's a product that is supposed to be in this very stressful world we live in right now to really regulate and equalize yourself so you reach that homeostasis. So that's coming out in two weeks. We're very excited about that. We're entering into Whole Foods in January, which we're very, very excited about nationwide. And, you know, we just kind of keep going. We have our fitness videos that we release on a a biweekly basis every two weeks. We always try to focus on mental health. So we have mental health charities that we try to work with. And, you know, for myself and fitness has always been a big part of my life. I really hope to integrate a lot of that into Neuro as a company also, because beyond everything, being able to use the full extent of your brain with creativity also allows people to open up different channels in their brain. And to me, that, that's, a, that's a really, really important thing. Just, just one final anecdote, because uh, I love, <laughs> I'm like going back to my neuroscience side, but there's even case studies where the value I see in creativity from a scientific perspective is there's multiple centers in the brain that process language and music separately. And there's people that, despite having Alzheimer's, this having language issues, where whether it's like a Broca's or Wernicke's aphasia, where they can't even speak properly, all of them are still able to sing songs perfectly because they're processed in different parts of the brain, which makes you unlock all these things about music therapy, having people learn how to speak again if they reprocess things as music and opening up new channels in the brain. Same thing with art. If you start reconstructing and reformatting the way things are seen, your visual cortex just gets that much stronger. Your spatial awareness, your hippocampus, and the way it processes objects gets that much stronger. And I think that's the real value in art when it comes from a health standpoint. So we got to figure out how to integrate it, but it's cool. Ken, that is awesome. I was actually speaking at a medical conference for uh, Northwestern uh, Medicine last year. And there was a speaker in talking about exactly that. And it was the first time I'd ever heard that concept, you know, music, about music therapy. Yeah. And, and there are hospitals around the country that are integrating music therapy labs because it's that research backed. It's so cool. 
It's, it's so, so cool. cool. <laughs> I, yeah, I, it's, and, I, and I, I have a high level of dementia in my family. My father passed away of a brain tumor. So we have a lot of just a lot of brain stuff. So these concepts and things that can work, it, it's, it's, you're right. It's, it's really interesting and really cool. There's always habits to either delay it or, you know, hopefully eliminate it. A lot of it's based on nutrition, diet, the way the mind is working. Again, you lose it if you don't use it. And they're seeing that a lot with people fall into Alzheimer's or dementia much, much faster when they get put into like retirement homes or yeah. hospice. And it's because their brain has given up. And, you know, un that's an unfortunate reality and an unfortunate case with a lot of older people. So I'm sorry to hear that about your dad, but at the same time, I think there's so many things, so much new research coming out that hopefully for the future, we could see a reduction in dementia and Alzheimer's cases. Uh, well, you know, it's, and I thank you for that. You know, he's, it's the reason that this podcast exists. And it's the reason that I found guests like you that can help spread the word and, and help, help as many people change lifestyle before their symptoms so they can make changes early enough to see that, that totally. positive effect. Yeah. Kat, this is, this is awesome, man. First of all, definitely as, as you come up with your products and as you, um, anything, the, the mental health stuff, the fitness videos, let me know how we can support because I will definitely, I'll, I'll push it all out oh, there. Oh man, thank you so um, much. Yeah, no, thank you. Before I let you go, where can people find you? You, you can find uh, more about NeuroGum at getneuro.com. That's G-T-N-E-U-R-O.com. You could uh, find us on Instagram at neurogum.com. And my personal Instagram, if you want to see my art, is Kentaro, K-E-N-T-A-R-O. Awesome. I'll have that in the show notes. I'll have the documentary in the show notes. I'll put some of these books in the show notes. So there'll be a bunch of this stuff out there. Kent, thank you so much for being on. This was awesome. This is a blast. I loved it. Thanks, man. Yeah, we'll do this and other things too. Stick around for a minute. And for the listeners, I will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Lifestyle as Medicine podcast. Find more episodes like this at www.lifestyleasmedicinepodcast.com and visit www.marhealthandperformance.com and at marhealthandperformance on both Facebook and Instagram for more great content and information about programs. Have a great day and see you next time.